Welcome to the Normal to Nomad podcast, where we share stories, thoughts, ideas, and conversations on our journey to find balance with nature in a technologically advanced world. My name is Baron. And I'm Elsa. We live together in a 13-foot scamp trailer with our dog camp in the American wilderness. Hello and welcome back. Today we are talking about solar power. Finally. Yeah, this one's been requested a number of times and it's been a long time coming, but... We just haven't known, oh, me specifically, how to talk about this in a way that makes sense. Yeah, it's... It's very complex. It can be, but we use it all the time and don't understand it at the most fundamental level, really, and it works great. Like, we power all of our things with solar power, and... With the base understanding, it's no big deal. And especially with the systems that we have. If I were to build something from scratch, I'd have to learn how to build those systems and understand things deeper, but it's not totally necessary. And I think a lot of the ways that people talk about solar and power, generally speaking, are really confusing. So we're hoping to eliminate some of those confusing variables and make it easier to understand. I've tried a number of times to write blog posts on how solar works and how to understand it and how I understand it, but it's really hard to break it down to a simple understanding, especially in writing, and we thought that this sort of questioning model would work a lot better with Elsa asking questions and running through it as we go. Because my understanding is extraordinarily base level. And so hopefully I can like poke holes in your better understanding for the people who don't understand much at all. Right. We're going to be going off of the blog post that Baron wrote called Watts are the way. I'm just going to read it and try to ask questions. If you want to follow along, you can go to normal, the number two nomad.com slash thoughts and check out the blog post. Please proceed. Shall we jump right in? (laughs) Watts equals amps times volts. Electrical systems can be confusing. For me, the primary source of this confusion is the differentiation between watts, amps, and volts. To remedy this confusion, I convert measurements of power consumption and storage to watts and watt-hours. Watts account for both amps and volts because amps times volts equals watts. So if we're talking watts, there's far less ambiguity given that both amps and volts are accounted for. And that's what is confusing to me is... What are amps and what are volts? So there are lots of different metaphors that people use, like like if you have a bucket and you have the different size of the tube coming out of the bucket is equates to voltages and a bucket that's like pouring water from a spout. Yeah, and I think those are I don't know they help a little bit, but they're super confusing to use solar power and understand electricity on a like utilitarian and useful level. You don't really have to know the difference between volts and amps because watts account for both of them. For this like base understanding just to kind of prime your brain on how these things work, we're going to be speaking in watts and you don't have to really deeply understand amps and volts because they're both accounted for when we're speaking in watts. But amps, that's what most battery systems are, like amp hours are described as. And volts... You've got like your 12 volt system in your car and you've got your 120 volt in a house. And in the car, it's DC power. And then in the, um, in the house, it's AC power, alternating current and direct current. 
Okay. So the ba- the power out of a battery is direct current, and typically lower voltage. The bat or the power that comes in the poles that comes to your house is alternating current or AC, and it's typically higher voltage, 120 volts versus the 12 volt DC p- battery. And didn't Nikola Tesla? He came up with DC power. I don't know if he came up with it. Edison AC power. Yeah, and there was a lot of debate as to which was better. And, yeah, there's, I don't know, there's a lot to go into there. Yeah, I suppose that's a whole additional podcast is AC versus DC. But just to, like, I don't know, for my brain to know what, what are watts and amps and volts is, I guess, but that's what you're saying is that it doesn't matter in this case. Well, it matters, but it's to understand it and use it on a, like, basic, basic level. Like, to know how much of a battery, how big of a battery you need to charge your devices. Right, and how big your battery is in your laptop or how much a fan pulls, all those things. If you just use watts instead, mm-hmm. then you don't have to fragment it so deeply. Okay. So then once you get to f- get a feel for how many watts you're using, then you can step down and it makes it a lot easier to understand the voltage. Okay. So amps times volts equals watts. If you have a 10 amp battery. Yes, like 10 amp hour, right? Okay. And then it... But we haven't gotten to it. Okay. Okay. We'll get there, right? Okay. okay. Yeah. Watts. A watt is a measure of power consumption or production. Our small USB fan pulls one watt on low and two watts on high. We have a little LED light that pulls one watt of power. Our magic bullet pulls about 140 watts of power. Our WeBoost signal booster pulls eight watts of power. All these are examples of devices that have no built-in battery, so they use energy from an external source the entire time they're powered on. On the energy production side, the energy solar panels collect can also be measured in watts. Our Boulder 100 panel is rated to produce 100 watts, but in reality it generally produces around 65 watts of power in full sun. So I think of watts as this little light bulb that -hmm. turns on with one watt. It takes one watt, Mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Okay. Our fan takes one watt on low. Correct. And our fan takes two watts on high. Correct. So now we're going to step into watt hours. And the watt hour is what our battery holds. Right. A watt hour is a measure of stored or potential energy. One watt hour of power is the energy required to power a device that pulls one watt for one hour. Remember our little USB fan that pulls one watt on low and two watts on high? With one watt hour of power, we can run our fan on low for one hour. On high, we could power the fan for half an hour. That makes sense. Right. Yes, because we've got a one watt hour battery pulling two watts, the fan, mm-hmm. then can run for 30 minutes for half an hour. Correct. I mean, that's easy. Yeah. So then to calculate higher wattages and pulling more power, you just extrapolate that same line of thinking up. Right. So we've got a 1,000 watt hour battery. Mm-hmm. And then if I were to charge my phone, that draws around 10 watts. Mm-hmm. Then I can run it for, what, 10 hours? 10 so, times 10 is 1,000, yeah. So yeah. that's, yeah, but then you're you're charging another device, right? Yeah, which so, has its own battery. Right, so you're transferring the power from one battery to another. So when your your phone, let's say, just has a 10, 10, amp, or a 10 watt hour battery, just mm-hmm. for sake of argument, it will, if you're charging at, like, 10 watts, it'll take an hour to charge your phone's battery. But then your phone uses a uses the battery at a far lower wattage than 10 watts, right? 
it may pull one watt from the processor. As I'm using the phone. Right. So it would drain. It would, so you could have 10 hours, let's say, of battery on your phone off of that 10 watt hours. If I'm using it. Correct. But we're talking about just charging it. Right. But that's what I'm saying is you can charge it for one hour and have that 10 watt hours of power in your phone, but then the phone is independent from there because it has its own battery. Right. So you take 10 watts. Yeah. Out of the phone to bring fully charged my... Out of the main battery. Out of the main battery to fully charge my 10-watt-hour phone. Yeah. And then it's charged, and then I use it. Yeah, whereas when we're talking about the fan or the WeBoost or those types of things that don't have their own internal battery, they're consistently pulling energy. Right, because they don't have their own battery. Right. That's not complex. No, but when you say you're charging your phone and it pulls 10 watts, it can get confusing because it's not always pulling 10 watts. So, like, anytime you're using your phone, it's not pulling 10 watts. It's just while you charge the phone's internal battery that it's pulling however right. much it pulls. Right. As it's charging. Yeah. I'm charging the battery. Yeah. Right. I, I get it. I no, don't understand No, I'm your... with you. I'm with you. I'm just trying to, like, clarify it for people. Because when you first said it, it seemed like it, it kind of felt like the phone was going to continually pull 10 watts the whole time. As it is being used. Yeah, but it's as it's being charged. Once that battery's charged, then it uses its own internal battery. Right. Okay. Okay. What about amp hours? People often speak of their battery setups being something like a 10 amp hour system. To make sense of what they're saying, we have to know the voltage of their system. The voltage of their system could be anything. Typically batteries are 12 volts, but this isn't always the case. For the sake of argument, let's say the 10 amp hour system is at 120 volts. This equates to 1,200 watt-hours of power. If the system were 12 volts, it would only have 120 watt-hours of power. This is why speaking in amp-hours can be so troublesome. Even though both systems are 100 amp-hours, one of them actually has 10 times the potential power. That is so confusing. I mean, it's not confusing. When you lay it out like this, it's not, but... But that makes sense, right? Right, and I don't understand, like, what, why do, why do amps have to, why do volts have to be different? Uh, they're like different use cases. So a, when you're charging your laptop, for example, especially older laptops, or your new one is different because you can charge it with USB-C. So it can go... My God, let's not even get into that. I'd... But it can go DC to DC, whereas the older batteries need a higher voltage Without to charge. to AC, which takes yeah. extra watts. It takes extra power to convert it from DC to AC. And then it converts it back to DC when it goes into the battery, which is wasteful, right? Yeah. So if you can charge straight DC to DC, it's preferable. Okay. But why they couldn't do that is because they needed to charge the battery. You needed a lot higher voltage, which equates to higher watts, too. Okay, wait. But it's confusing. What? Which battery? Your old laptop battery and mine. They They use a 120 volt because it needs higher voltage to charge it. Just to, like, push the electrons in. I still don't know what a volt is. Yeah, and it's confusing, so then that's why we're just peaking in watts. Okay. Digital device battery capacity. I also measure the size of my device batteries in watt hours. Most of the time, small device batteries are listed in milliamp hours. But you can find the watt hour equivalent if you look for it. When I say that, when I say when you look for it, I mean if you Google around, you can find the watt hour capacity of your battery. Oh, that's helpful. Google is so good. Well, I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah, like that you, is helpful. I'm saying it's yeah, totally... Say whatever, like iPhone SE is what I have. So if you say iPhone SE 
watt hour capacity. Mm, because you wouldn't necessarily know what the voltage is of your iPhone SE. Right, because it's variable. Because the different, because oh, as the processor is doing different things, it pulls different voltages. Okay, and we kind of get into that in a right. little bit. Which equates to more or less watts being pulled from oh, the battery. Oh, I see. So, okay, yeah, anyway, we get to that. I'll come back to this uh, revelation. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer watt hours to milliamp hours here as well, because the milliamp hour measurement does not account for the voltage of the system. Whereas watt hour capacity accounts for both amp hours and the voltage of the device's battery. Modern cell phones have 5 to 10 watt hour batteries, tablets 15 to 40 watt hour batteries, and laptops 50 to 120 watt hour batteries. Barron's 2012 MacBook Air has a 50 watt hour battery, while my 2014 MacBook Pro has an 80 watt hour battery. Our solar setup. Okay, so can we talk quickly about these batteries and how that works? Yes. So your charger is rated for more wattage than mine. My laptop charger. Correct. Yes. So just for sake of understanding, let's say, and it's around 100 watts that it pulls, right? Yes. Since my MacBook Air has a 50 watt hour battery, it takes about half an hour theoretically to charge that battery, right? Since the charger is pushing 100 watts. My charger. Yes, your charger. Is charging your watts. laptop. Yeah. Okay. Whereas your computer takes slightly longer to charge to full because it's a bigger battery. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, cool. Our solar setup. Batteries. A kilowatt is 1,000 watts. Like Similar a to kilo a kilomile, <laughs> Elsa said earlier. <laughs> a kilometer. Kilometer. Yeah, yeah. That's, what I was, that's what I was going for. Shut up. Our lithium battery has one kilowatt hour capacity or 1,000 watt-hours. One of the nice things about lithium batteries is that they can be cycled very low without degrading the battery. We also have a 400 watt-hour absorbent glass mat, or AGM battery. AGM capacities are a bit misleading though. My god, are they ever? Mm -hmm. Took me forever to even know that. AGM batteries can only be discharged to about half capacity. When discharged lower than about 50%, AGM batteries will often lose their charge capacity. So the effective capacity of our AGM battery is about 200 watt-hours, though it's rated as 400 watt-hours. All that said, we have discharged this battery to 20 or so percent a number of times, and it still works fine. But it might it has charge better if we... Never did that. Yeah, if we know. if we never charged or discharged it below 50%, then it would probably be and in... It would have a higher potential capacity still. I didn't know that. So I would use it, like... A battery. But I didn't tell you that intentionally. Because, oh, so that I wouldn't stress out? About yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, that would... Well, then I'd never use it. Because right. I would never want it to go exactly. too low. So. Well, that's just stupid. Why would you then get an AGM battery? Because they're cheaper? Well, they're cheaper. And the technology for lithium has only been around for so long. Okay. And lithium's quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just feels like I would definitely invest in a 500 watt-hour lithium battery versus a 500 watt-hour AGM, yeah. even if it well, yeah, costs if it, less. If it was a 1,000 watt-hour AGM that you're comparing the 1,000 watt-hour lithium to, mm -hmm. then they're effectively the same capacity. Oh, so like if you got a 500 watt-hour lithium and a 1,000 watt-hour AGM, yeah, that would be the same. Yeah. Ugh. I wonder if it would be the same it, But price. the lithium would even be better because lithium can discharge more quickly. And it's uh, lightweight. Yeah. A lot more lightweight than AGM.
and yeah, there there I'm are other lithium. if you have the money invest in lithium yeah unless you're going for like a super giant system mm. and you're discharging it really slowly i don't know agm may still be better but i think the prices are getting closer and closer together we chose the goal zero batteries because they are so simple all the components of the system are in one box solar controller, inverter, and battery all in one package. The interface is also super useful on these batteries. The charge percentage is clearly displayed and they have an input and output reading, which can be toggled through watts, amps, and volts. This simple screen has helped us to understand how the system works. Having the input reading is also super helpful for positioning our panels too. The Goal Zero system is pretty expensive, but it's helped us even in learning totally. solar. It's really cool how you can switch through the units. And, and we, to be clear, we don't have a relationship with Goal Zero. Right, unfortunately. I yeah. mean, that'd be cool. We've bought all of our Goal Zero stuff either on Craigslist through ProDeal or on their open box on their site. Yes, everything. We've never paid full price, I don't think, for any of it. I mean, and it is very expensive. It is, but if you factor in like the complexity of building out your own system and things potentially breaking because you do it wrong or things rattling apart or whatever. These are just built really well. They have a good warranty on them. And every component is built to work with the system. Whereas if you're piecing it up together on your own, sometimes it can be really hard to find components that work well together. I suppose it's kind of like buying a... It's like building a computer from all the parts up versus... Versus buying one. Yeah, versus buying a Mac that... Oh, it's like building your PC, though, which yeah. is really awesome and great. Right. You knew how to do it and had all the great parts for it, but also buying a MacBook is really easy. Right. And it works very well. And the fact that these are so self-contained and they're relatively small, so we don't have to have a bunch of wires running around the scamp and a bunch of crap everywhere trying to accommodate the system. It's just... A box and then the fact that we can take it out and we talk about this in a little bit but that we can take it out and charge it and if one of the systems fails or if we need to upgrade we can get like we did another battery or now you can put bigger batteries behind them solar panels we have two solar panels to charge our batteries one is rated to collect 100 watts and the other 50 watts combined they're rated to produce 150 watts in reality, they typically produce around 100 watts on a perfect sunny day. In our experience, the Goal Zero panels collect only about 60% of their rated capacity. That's another thing. Why is that? Why would they rate it? Uh, it's misleading, and I think it's an industry standard. Like, we have never seen our 100-watt panel pull more than 85 mm -hmm. on, like, primo prime conditions yeah when it's and it's particularly when the panel's really cold and then the sun comes out and is in prime orientation it's also it it's so nice collecting power in the winter because mm -hmm. all the snow on the ground just blasts sun at every angle into those panels ironically solar panels are far less efficient when they get super hot oh my gosh doesn't make any sense well it's the, like thermodynamics and it's like, i guess like technology and yeah my phone poops out after five minutes of being in the sun. So mm. I guess those solar panels are still pretty good. No, but it would be really helpful if all the companies would agree to rate their panels to... What is accurate. Yeah. What's true. Because I, I don't even know how they measure their potential capacity, but they're 
way overestimating. Wow. So I suppose as you are building your solar system or planning on a solar system, you want to really factor that in mm -hmm. that you're not going to be getting a hundred Watts from your hundred watt panel. Mm -hmm. I mean, on any panels, right? As far as I've been able to tell, and what I've read too, is that goal zero is relatively like comparatively. And as the industry goes, they're pretty accurate to what they estimate. Whereas some like cheaper panels or whatever will say it's a hundred watt panel, but you'd never get more than 40 Watts out of it. Oh my goodness. That would, that'd be just awful to have those big ass panels up on your van and only be putting, pulling in yeah, that's another, like less than half the capacity. Right. That's another hard thing too, is once they're installed flat, then you can't orient them oh, perpendicular so to the sun. As efficient as they could be because they were just sitting flat. Correct. You have to be in full sun as well. Right. Because if we lay our panels down flat, they are, they collect far less power than they do when they're oriented perfectly perpendicular to the sun. Our solar panels are not attached to the scamp. We decided not to mount them to the trailer because we often park in the shade. The panels have a long extension cable so they can be moved to wherever the most direct sun is. If we were in an area with lots of trees or shade, we can even take the battery out of the scamp and put it out with the panels to give more reach. This is particularly helpful in the summer when we are most likely to park in the shade or in high elevation areas. I don't know what we would do if we had our panels mounted to the top in the summer. Right. Even right now where we're parked, it's really hot in here. And we're parked as shady as we can get. And then we wouldn't be bringing in any power. Right. So how we are now, we're in a decent bit of shade. And then the panels are put, like we have them in the middle of the road effectively. So that they're away from all the trees and stuff. If they were mounted, if we only had panels mounted to the top of the scamp, it would be really rough in the summer. And the summer's already far more difficult than winter because you can warm up by putting on more layers to cool down like you can only get so naked so it makes it really hard how do people do it in their vans in the summertime do they um, just park in the sun i guess so and then have a ton of insulation maybe they have a lot of batteries that maybe and then also you could have a generator running so you could pull you could run your ac I see the, because we, we want to put, I think it'd be nice to have panels on top of the scamp just to, we wouldn't have to mess with them. We could get solar or passive solar in, but I, yeah, I don't, I, I, how, how do people do that? It's the only time they would be useful for us mounted to the top of the scamp really is in the winter because we try to park in full sun. But then still, like we said, then they're only at one angle. Right. And the sun is lower on the horizon in the winter. Interesting, but it would be really hard probably for a lot of people, especially, and this is no discredit to vans. It's just like or, yeah, or the system that works really well for, for vans because they you can attach them to the top so easily. But Another thing to think about with vans is people typically have them hooked, have their solar or their batteries hooked up to their alternator. So as they drive, they're charging. And most people in vans typically drive, you know, uh, every few days at least so they're always charging and then when they're on the road if they have the hard mounted panels that's supplementing that charge from their battery right. too yeah what i was starting to say was that vans move a lot more as we learned a van would be really nice if you're just moving all the time so that would be really inefficient to have to be moving your panels all day as you're in a van where you're likely moving all the time so right. it makes a lot of sense and maybe that's why it works for them because i don't know maybe during the day, even as they drive, that would be a more efficient thing. Whereas we are parked 
for our full time. Full 14 days in forest land, so it's no problem to move the panels throughout the day. And we're actually, the majority of the energy that we use comes from our solar panels. Like, a very small percentage of it comes from charging our batteries in the car. Oh my gosh, we used to be able to charge our laptops at the coffee shop when it was rainy and stuff. Like, two weeks ago, when it was raining for two weeks straight. Mm-hmm. I could have still been working on videos if right. in the past, in the distant past. Yeah, so then on editing or export days, a lot of times Elsa would go to the coffee shop and then she could work for those eight hours versus <sighs> doing it in the scamp because it really tanks our battery. I don't want to talk about it. It makes me sad. I miss the coffee shop. Using solar power. Some of our tools and devices have no built-in battery. Some examples are our fans, Magic Bullet Blender, and WeBoost Cell Booster. These draw power consistently while powered on. The fans pull 1 or 2 watts, Magic Bullet 140 for short bursts, and the WeBoost pulls about 8 watts. So if we leave the WeBoost on for 10 hours, it'll use around 80 watts of power, which equates to about 8% of our 1,000 watt hour battery. Most of our devices have built-in batteries of their own. Our BioLite lighting system, computers, iPads, and tools all have built-in batteries. We make sure to charge all these peripheral batteries when the sun is out and our big batteries are full. This way we're not wasting any of the energy provided by the sun. And this is what you were saying earlier that I might have, I don't made sound confusing, is that when you're charging your phone, you're charging your phone's battery. You're going from one battery to the next. Right. Whereas our fans are pulling constantly. Would a refrigerator be, does it have its own battery or would that be pulling Mm. constantly? I mean... Because you're right that that is something to think about. Yeah, a refrigerator has sort of a metaphorical battery because it's cooling down the air inside of it. So if the air inside is at the temperature that you want it to be, then for however long, it it slowly raises the temperature from, let's say, 33 degrees to 36, and then it kicks on. So for that time, the fridge is in that like passive mode. It's then not pulling energy. Yes, I see. It only pulls energy to cool it down. Okay. But for things like the fan, if you wanted to calculate how much power you would need, that's the difference is that all the things that need to or that require pulling power all day long, you would have to take note of that versus your laptop and how how much you're using your laptop, how much power you would require. Because if you were sort of not thinking all the way through it and you looked and saw okay my laptop charger okay my laptop charger pulls 100 watts so if i want to use my laptop for 10 hours then it's going to use 100 times 10 but that's not actually accurate because Mm -hmm. you're charging the battery within your laptop which you may use faster or slower depending on what you're doing correct we're about to go into this right now and then one other thing before we go into that and we're talking about charging and not wasting the energy provided by the sun so yesterday for example our main battery was totally charged the 1000 watt hour yeti lithium battery was fully charged so i said elsa is your computer charged because now would be a good time to do it so we're not wasting any of the right. sun. Because it can only charge to 100% capacity. And then beyond that, then we're charging all of our peripheral stuff. That's just something to think about. As long as the sun's out, even if your battery's capped out, that's when you need to charge all your peripherals. Else. Right. Because else you're just wasting. Yeah. Eh? How much power do you need? The two things that require a lot of power are heating and cooling. 
<laughs> neither of which we have as we're sitting here just baking and sweating right. in, our, <laughs> in we, this camp without a fan on. Yeah, exactly. If you want to run a furnace or AC, you'll have to have a pretty serious solar setup to accommodate. Other than that, most things can be done with a moderately sized solar kit as long as the appliances and devices are used efficiently. Another thing that you can do is get a generator. But we're talking solar here, so we're trying not to go too deeply into that. Our computers are the biggest draws on our batteries. Baron's computer has a 50 watt hour battery. His computer's eight years old. The battery lasts about four hours while doing low level tasks like browsing the internet and using word processors. The battery lasts as little as two hours when doing processor intensive tasks like gaming or video editing. So the amount of power used by our computers really depends on the task we're using them for. If he wanted to game for around eight straight hours, my Hypo God. Hypothetically, <laughs> that would never, ever, ever happen, but... His computer would use around 400 watt-hours of power. 50-watt-hour battery, lasting two hours per charge, charged four times. Okay. Is that clear? It is after, like, talking about it this whole time. Yeah. That you would want to factor in what you're doing on your laptop so that you know how often you're going to need to charge your laptop. Right. Which would then, or help you know how big of a battery you'd need. Right. Slash how many panels. That's like a whole other thing is batteries versus panels and totally. how much of which. Which we get into a little bit more. Okay. But like the new MacBook Airs, or MacBook Airs generally speaking, they're considered to be relatively underpowered, but they're... They have smaller batteries, and their processor, since it's less powerful, uses less power. Oh, so it's more efficient on so, power. Exactly. Oh, so then the oh new MacBook Airs have like a 15-hour battery life if you're doing low-level tasks versus the new MacBook Pros that have like 10 or something like because that. Because they're so processor heavy. And, it, and part of it oh. is the screen, right? So yes. the screen on my old Air is non-retina, so it's not like Ultra HD. Hmm. So it takes less power to run my old computer because the screen isn't as nice. Hmm. So with your like new brighter screen and the processor just going fast and being awesome all the time, it takes more power. That's kind of interesting. Most people would be like, no way to the MacBook Air, how underpowered. Right. When it depends on kind of what you're doing. Right. So if you're if trying, you're to, trying be, to be a nomad using only solar power, right, it makes a lot of air sense. would be the way to go. That's why my old Air that was the last one to not have the Retina, like Mega HD screen, is technically like the most efficient laptop that they made in uh, maybe ever. Not that you bought it eight years ago for that. Reason. No, but it just so happens to be like... <laughs> the best. Yeah. My computer is larger and more powerful than Baron's. It's about five years old with an 80 watt hour battery. When I'm editing videos, my computer will chew through battery in under two hours sometimes. It's an old battery. It actually has already been replaced once. So if it takes two hours to consume my entire 80 watt hour battery, the computer is using about 40 watts per hour. In an eight hour day of editing, I will use around 320 watt hours of power. Does that make sense? Yes, that's a lot. Oofta. I actually, um. And I think it's actually more than that. Yeah, likely. Like, I, I mean, I, I, it burns through the battery. Right, and that's, that's. Even when I'm, I mean, it's old. It's even when I'm not using video editing. Part of that has to do with the software that you're using. So, using Adobe Premiere. I'm, I'm just saying this so that people can understand that. Okay. So if you're using, or we could use Safari for an example, okay, the web that, browser. It's just that's a sensitive subject because he's been trying to get me to switch to Final Cut Pro, which would be more efficient, 
on my MacBook Theoretically, Pro because it's made by Apple. Adobe Premiere. It makes all the sense in the world. I just, like, have some resistance. And that may or may not be totally true, but it's just... So, right, it makes sense. So with Safari, for example, different web browsers. So you have Chrome and Safari, let's say, for a Mac. Safari is built to be hyper-efficient. So it doesn't... And it's, built, it's made by Apple, so they build it to spec with their machines. So it typically is more efficient battery wise than chrome is you got me to switch to safari yeah as we've been living in the scamp and that's i loved chrome back in the day me too if you hear smacking in the background that's camp so it's not us (laughs) but i we both used chrome back in the day but chrome will spin up helpers in the background it says chrome helper if you look up in your task manager or activity monitor it'll spin up a bunch of helpers that eat up memory and processor power and that's part of what makes Chrome be able to be so fast, but it's, oh, it's not as it's, efficient. It's like the MacBook Pro versus the MacBook Air. Kind, kind of. of. Like, more yeah. powerful, but more battery. Right. So okay. so you can, like, maybe load things faster, run higher fidelity video and stuff, but it's eating more battery than it would on Safari. Does that make sense? Uh, definitely. Okay. And Safari's great. It just That's like switching to Final Cut. You just got to learn a new thing. Yeah. Though switching from... Chrome to Safari was not nearly as big of a task as it'll be to learn Final Cut. And I'm not totally sure that Final Cut will be more efficient. Mm, I'm just, I think it will. I think yeah. you're totally right. I think Final Cut is just going to be great. I just have to do it. Yeah. If both of us are working on our laptops, we burn through our energy reserves very quickly, especially in stretches of cloudy days. This is why we try to offload the majority of our work to our iPads. Our tablets have smaller batteries, are charged directly... Okay. He's probably thirsty. Our tablets have smaller batteries. <laughs> Our tablets have smaller batteries, are charged directly with DC power via USB, and are remarkably efficient. They really are. Baron's iPad has a 20 watt hour battery and lasts around 8 to 10 hours depending on what he's doing. Phones are similarly efficient with 5 to 10 watt hour batteries and a full day runtime. So if you can get your work done on a little keyboard and your ipad versus using a laptop it's way more efficient even if you're just answering emails or writing and then you can take it to your computer to like paste it into your site or whatever i never ever ever answer emails or do that kind of stuff on my laptop just goodbye laptop battery Mm -hmm. i actually just bought a new macbook pro because this has been such a pain in the ass having my old battery Mm -hmm. and you were due for it yeah, it's been a long time. And it's, I mean, my main tool for work. Right. I don't, I feel like I don't have to justify it, but yeah. hopefully this will be much better. I just got it, so I'm still, like, kind of experiencing it and seeing how much better it really is. And so far, it's been amazing collecting solar power. Our ability to collect power is a big factor in the spots we choose. Trees, mountains, and weather all play a part in how much sun we will receive throughout a day. The amount of power we collect plays a big role in how productive we can be, given that we both use our digital devices for work. When vetting out new spots, we often use an app called Lumos to see how much sun we will get. It's an augmented reality app that plots the path of the sun in the sky. It's really awesome. Mm -hmm. It's it's so helpful. I wish we had known about it sooner. I know. I think when I first got it, you were like, "Uh, what? And then I showed you how it works, and you were like, oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. We can hold the phone up and see where the trees and mountains will interfere with solar collection and determine how much of the day we will be able to charge. 
Is what's it for though? What's the, like? I think it's originally made for uh, photography, so you can see the path oh, of the sun. I see. And see when golden hour will be and stuff. It's so useful though, and it seems kind of it sounds kind of gimmicky, but to be able to hold the phone up and see exactly where the different trees and stuff interfere with power is super helpful. Again, it's called Lumos. L-U-M-O-S. As the day goes on, we typically move the solar panels. Baron typically moves the solar panels every hour or two to keep them in perfect alignment with the sun. In conclusion, by the way, this is a really good blog. You did a great job. Thank you. You're very smart. I tried very hard. Baron realizes, <laughs> being the writer of this blog, that all of this can be massively confusing. The best way to understand how solar power works is to use and collect it yourself. To begin, make a list of all the electronic devices you want to use. If they have a battery built in, write the watt-hour capacity next to it. If they continuously draw power, write down the power draw in watts. This will help you understand how much power you will likely need. When you're looking to buy a system, convert all measurements into watts and watt-hours. This will make the whole process far easier to understand. Way to go. Thanks. But what you didn't touch on in this is battery storage versus panels. Like, do you want... Or when would it be better to have 300 watt panels, like total? Three 100 watt panels. Yes. Or would you rather have more panels or would you rather have a bigger battery? It's so variable. It depends on how many people. Like if you have two people that you're trying to support, it's different. Versus if you have one person, then it you would need far less. It also know? depends on the type of climate that you're in. Right. Because if you're somewhere where... You get very little sun, like, let's say, just for sake of argument, throughout the day you get like three hours of great sun, right? Because you're in a heavily treated area or something. Then you may want more panels or a bigger battery, just depending. Yeah, it really, it, I don't know, it varies situation to situation. Like, there, you kind of, how I think of it is you want some balance in your system. How do you know how many... I like how what panels you want for your battery like is there a general rule of thumb I mean I'm sure there is but I think like how our system has to work is if we go let's say five days of rain where we get almost no power in five days we need to have enough battery capacity to offset that because regardless of how many panels we have if we're not making any power at all it doesn't really matter because we're not charging. So I guess, depending on your climate, you can see how many days you'll typically go without sun at all. And your battery has to be big enough to take that gap in charging. Okay. Right. So if you were to get a 1000 watt hour battery, what panels would you want? Well, okay. So if I'm in, if I'm somewhere like the Alpine desert of Colorado or Oregon, or if I'm, versus if, like when we were in Seaside in Oregon. What are the difference? What's the difference? So in, like the Alpine Desert, you have something like 320 days of sunlight a year. So you can almost guarantee that you're going to have sun for most days of the year. Versus somewhere like around Portland or Seattle, where it's cloudy. I don't know if it's the majority of the year, but... I think it is. It's usually it's very it's cloudy very often. Then you would need a lot bigger battery to take on that slow charge. 
And even like if we were spending all of our time around that area or seaside or one of those areas that's super cloudy and moist all the time with giant trees too as a factor, then we would probably have to get a generator. So what kind of panels would you get for a 1000 watt hour battery? Okay, sorry. I know that was your initial question. It's variable. So in somewhere like the Alpine desert, like we're talking about, where you're getting good sun for generally five or six out of seven days, you could get by with a 100 watt hour or a 100 watt panel probably. But it also depends on how much power you're drawing. Correct. So with two people, you know, it depends. And then also, since we, if we know, like we check the weather to see how much power we're going to be able to use. And then if we're going to be doing things that are hugely processor intensive or whatever, we'll go to a coffee shop normally. But with all that's going on now, we don't really have that option. We generally try to do all of our big power usage stuff either during the day or charge everything like as diligently as possible and then use our iPads. If we're browsing the internet or if we're watching videos or whatever, we're using our iPads for all of that. And even like recording this podcast and writing this blog post, I did all this on my iPad and then take it to my computer quickly to finish it up. So we're just super diligent with our power usage. The first solar system that we got was the 400 watt hour AGM battery. We got that on a pro deal through a friend. And then on Craigslist, we got a 30 watt panel for 80 bucks. So our solar system was $500-ish, like mm -hmm. round up to 500. It was great. That lasted us for about a year, charging pretty delicately our laptops. It charged our lights, our phones, but we weren't going as ham on tech at that time. We were just like entering scamp life and stuff. And then we were at coffee shops and stuff whenever oh, we had like to edit. All day. Like, all the time. Then uh, we went to RTR, and somebody was getting rid of a 30-watt panel. Goal Zero panel. Like, an old model of one. And, oh my gosh, that was so amazing to, to I saw him walking up to the free pile and scooped it. For free, we got yeah. that. And it was an old, old panel. Like, I had to get but a different worked. cord and everything to make it work. Once but... you got the cord, mm, it was It worked great. great. So then we were charging 60 watts into our 400-watt-hour battery, and that was great. Which actually turned out to be like 40 because it's 60% efficient. Right. But yeah. Then once we got our, I mean, it was shortly, very shortly after that, so that we would stop having to go to the coffee shop, we then got our 1,000 watt hour lithium battery. That was, in the beginning, too much power for us. We didn't know what Yeah, to we were do. like, what are we going to do with all this? Yeah. But very quickly, it's kind of like the more storage you have, the more things you're going to find to fill it with. We just, over time totally learned how to use the power and bought things like our fans and stuff that we run constantly. Um, with this 1000 watt hour battery, we bought for that battery, a 100 watt panel. And that was pretty good. Yeah. And then we would oftentimes kind of save the 400 watt hour battery over there, which can only be charged down to 50% capacity. We keep that on the bench, maybe charge our phones when somebody's sitting over there on the bench. But usually we were just using the 1000 watt hour lithium mm -hmm. so we would charge with the 100 watt panel as well as one of the 30 watt panels yeah and that worked great until you got the extension cord something something so went crazy one of the 30 watt panels crapped out and goal zero didn't sell them anymore so they sent us a 50 watt to replace it right. which was great yeah it wasn't the cord that was the issue but right oh my gosh something went crazy and it yeah. just like Burst. And I I had never, like until, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so, I always 
used a super short cable, so we really had to orient the scamp to the sun because we were only working with so much cord. But like, all we had to do was but get no, cable. but it's not that's it's theoretically not that simple because you think, and it's always said that the longer the cable, the more power you lose. Oh. But it's negligible. But isn't it's it? not. No, I can't even see a difference. So the whole time I was trying to like limit us by having like this way short cable. Oh, thinking that was bringing in more. Power. Thinking it was more efficient that way, but then we put in another twenty feet, and it didn't change our wattage at all. So it turns out that that makes a lot more sense. So now we can park, however, and have the panels, you know, thirty feet away in the sun. So we currently have our one thousand watt hour battery that we charge usually full-time with the 150 watt power or panel combination correct and then whenever the 400 lit or agm gets low then we'll switch and charge that another thing is we can charge these in the car so in a pinch or if we're getting low on power and we're going to town or going for a drive we can charge either of the batteries with the car's 12 volt which mm -hmm. is super helpful that too. has saved us yeah. so many times we recently too got the gold zero mppt which helps us to collect power on cloudy days it does make a bit of a difference for sure it would make a bigger difference if we had a bigger solar system like we'd notice yeah. more but to bring in an extra on a cloudy day when we're only getting 15 watts to turn that to 25 that or is 30. a huge yeah. difference it's been pretty great yeah but it, and it's, it's expensive, the though. module's 100 bucks and in a lot of cases, it would make more sense to just use that $100 and buy another solar panel. But since we're so limited on space, making our current system as efficient as possible makes more sense than buying more panels. That's a fabulous point that I don't ever think about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we just make what we have, we make our system work. If mm -hmm. we notice the battery dropping, we will not charge. And it's something that I'm always thinking about. So... Before I go to sleep at night, I orient the panels so that as the morning sun comes up, they'll be collecting power. And then by the time I wake up, I can position them again. And then I'm positioning them all throughout the day until the sun goes down. That makes everything as efficient as it can be. Yeah, I guess asking like what panels for a 1,000-watt-hour battery doesn't really make sense because well, they're I mean, just it, so variable. It totally makes sense, but in some situations, like if you're in a van and you're traveling and never staying in an area for more than two nights... And you're traveling, you know, 30, 40 miles in between, you may be able to just use the car charger and not even have a solar panel and charge your battery up plenty just from the car. Because the, the lithium charger equates to 120 watts of power if your alternator and battery and everything are in good shape. So you can assume that as you drive, you'll be putting away 100 watt hours of power per hour of driving. So if you're in a van and you're traveling all the time, you may not even need a solar panel and you can just charge as you drive and that might be sufficient, right? So right. it's super variable. You have had your brain on this a lot and you understand a lot of the different given variables. Yeah. And if anybody has specific questions or has a rig and really wants to like break down your solar consumption and everything with somebody who does have a pretty good brain, I don't know, we didn't talk about this, but Baron has a page on his site where you can contact him. Normal, the number two, nomad.com slash collaborate. He, you don't ever like mention it, but you do kind of do nomad consulting yeah. for free. If you want to donate to him, you can, but 
go to normaltonomad.com slash collaborate and you can put in your contact info and send him any questions you want. And, and it's like the connect tab on my side, I think. And then also we have a Discord server where we have a solar channel where we can talk about all this stuff. And then if you have any specific questions as to or like things that could be more clear on this specific topic that we're going through, you can comment on the blog post on my site. And then I'll try to add whatever things are missing to the blog post so that it's more clear in the future. So there's lots of ways to get in touch in yeah. whatever method you so choose. But you did a really good job with this blog post. It's such a hard thing to like wrap your head around. That's why we have never in three and a half years made a video or anything really about solar. Is It's just kind of complex. Yeah. It's hard I'm, to, especially like with an understanding of it, it's hard to break it down in terms that make sense to people without an understanding. Because it's like... And I know some people that like really understand this and have built their own s systems will scoff at it. Yeah, but it's but, that's just... I mean, most most people have not. You're right. So that's who we're trying to appeal to more than the like expert that already built out their system. And remember, watts are the way. Convert everything to watts, and then it makes a lot more sense. Watts and watt hours. Great work. Cool. I think that'll do it for this episode, eh? Excellent. Sweet. Well, we'll see you guys. We'll hear. We'll talk to you guys, right, in the next one. <laughs> yeah, and if not, we'll join you on Discord and geek out on this stuff a little bit more. Cool. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more information and links to the things we talked about, check out our show notes at normal2nomad.com slash podcast. If you want to see more of what we're up to, we've documented our travels on YouTube for the past three years and are up to a quarter of a million subscribers. Check it out at youtube.com slash Please give us a five-star review if you like the show so other people can find it. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.